Loving Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for giving us the privilege of life. We thank you so much for also providing the basic necessities to sustain us. Glory be unto your name, dear Lord. As we fellowship with you now, we pray that you grant to us graciously of thy spirit, that we may rightly divide the word of truth, and that in studying that we will learn more of our Lord Jesus and learn our duty towards you, our duty towards our fellow men, so that we can build a character that will be fitted for heaven. We look forward to the coming of our Lord and for this purpose, Lord, we pray that you would help that this devotion will serve to prepare us. I pray, Lord, please consecrate me to your service. Put your spirit upon me. Put your words upon my lips that it may bless all your children who are listening. Thank you for hearing and answering our prayers. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage, December 25 To God be the glory From the rising of the sun unto the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. Psalm chapter 113 verse 3 The Bible has little to say in praise of men. Little space is given to recounting the virtues of even the best men who have ever lived. This silence is not without purpose. It is not without a lesson. All the good qualities that men possess are the gift of God. Their good deeds are performed by the grace of God through Christ. Since they owe all to God, the glory of whatever they are or do belongs to him alone. They are but instruments in his hands. More than this, as all the lessons of Bible history teach, it is a perilous thing to praise or exalt men. For if one comes to lose sight of his entire dependence on God and to trust to his own strength, he is sure to fall. Man is contending with foes who are stronger than he. It is impossible for us in our own strength to maintain the conflict, and whatever diverts the mind from God, whatever leads to self-exaltation or to self-dependence is surely preparing the way for our overthrow. The tenor of the Bible is to inculcate distrust of human power and to encourage trust in divine power. The truly converted soul is illuminated from on high. His words, his motives, his actions may be misinterpreted and falsified, but he does not mind it because he has greater interests at stake. He is not ambitious for display. He does not crave the praise of men. His hope is in heaven and he keeps straight on with his eye fixed on Jesus. He does right because it is right. By their good works, Christ's followers are to bring glory, not to themselves, but to him through whose grace and power they have wrought. 
It is through the Holy Spirit that every good work is accomplished, and the Spirit is given to glorify not the receiver but the giver. When the light of Christ is shining in the soul, the lips will be filled with praise and thanksgiving to God. Your prayers, your performance of duty, your benevolence, your self-denial will not be the theme of your thought or conversation. Jesus will be magnified, self will be hidden, and Christ will appear as all in all. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is To God Be the Glory. Jesus, when he was speaking to his disciples, just on that day where he was about to be crucified, just before that time, in the book of John 15, reading from verse 1 to 5, he gave us an, a very important exhortation. He said, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except you abide in me. I am the vine. Ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. Amen. This lesson is the key to success in the Christian life. We must each realize that in and of ourselves we are utterly unable to meet the wily foe who is ever on hand to keep us in sin, discouragement and failure. It is only as we feel our utter helplessness and our total dependence on God and abide in Him that we can do anything good. The struggles of every soul is, that, is like that which Paul expressed in the book of Romans 7 reading from verse 15. He said, For that which I do I allow not, for what I would that do I not, but what I hate that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the Lord that it is good. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. So what is it that is causing us to sin? See, man is under the control of two powers. Is it that you are under the control of the devil or under the control of God? And that's why Paul says, It is not I that do it, it is the sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that, it is in, that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. Do you understand that? That what you do that is good, it is not in you. Going on in verse 19, he says, For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law, that when I would do good, evil is present with me. 
for I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And he said in verse 25, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. Then when we go to Romans 8, reading from verse 1, he says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, that means those who abide in Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. We have just seen now the struggle that is in every soul. Why is this so? Why is it that when we try to do good, we find evil in us? But for those who don't even know the law of God, to them they will think that they are even good. But when you examine yourself in light of the law of God, you realize that there is so much evil in you. The nearer you come to Christ, the more you see of your weaknesses and your sins. Why do we struggle like this? I'm reading from Messages to Young People, page 51, paragraph 1. It says, Fallen man is Satan's lawful captive. The mission of Jesus Christ was to rescue him from his power. Man is naturally, you and I, we are naturally inclined to follow Satan's suggestions. And he, we cannot of ourselves successfully resist so terrible a foe unless Christ, the mighty conqueror, dwells in him, guiding his desires and giving him strength. God alone, not God and you, God alone can limit the power of Satan. He is going to and fro from in the earth and walking up and down in it. He is not off his watch for a single moment through fear of losing an opportunity to destroy souls. It is important that God's people understand this, that they may escape his snares. End of quote. In light of this, how then are we able to do any good? Only through Christ. For this reason, as we read of men like Enoch, who was translated without seeing death, Noah, who the word of God declares was pure, Job, who is declared as a perfect man, Moses, who is declared as the meekest man in all of the earth, Joshua, who was so courageous and bold to valiantly fight the battles of the Lord against giants and bring down these men, David, the man of God, who is called the man after God's own heart, Solomon, the wisest among the kings, Asher, Jehoshaphat, Josiah, Hezekiah, the faithful kings who ruled Israel and turned them back to the worship of God, Daniel and Joseph, men who were unflinching in their service for God in the midst of the greatest apostasy. As we read of these men, we are not to give glory to them, but we are to give glory to God, realizing that these men could do nothing without Jesus. Daniel had an excellent spirit. Yes, he stood for God in all the temptations that came to him. Yes, Joseph stood before Potiphar's wife in all her beauty, but yet he did not fall. Yes, but if Joseph stood there in his own strength alone, he will fall. If Daniel was in Babylon in his strength alone, he would fall. Our strength alone is no match for Satan. Like we read in Messages to Young People, page 51, paragraph 1, God alone can limit the power of Satan. 
We saw in our devotion, Conflict and Courage, page 356, paragraph 2, it says, The Bible has little to say in, the pra- in praise of men. Little space is given to recounting the virtues of even the best men who have ever lived. This silence is not without purpose. It is not without a lesson. All the good qualities that men possess are the gift of God. Their good deeds are performed by the grace of God through Christ. Since they owe all to God the glory, since they owe all to God the glory of whatever they are doing, of whatever they are or do belongs to Him alone. They are instruments in His hands. More than this, as all the lessons of Bible history teach, it is a perilous thing to praise or exalt men. End of quote. So, what about you and me? What good thing do you think you do? Oh, I do. Do not fall into the sin of self-exaltation. Or whatever you see any man uh, doing that is good, remember that what you are seeing is the power of God. In, of our, in and of ourselves dwells no good thing. That is what Paul says, and it is true. Romans chapter 7, reading from verse 18 for i know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing we may have the will yes but how to perform that which is good it is not in us any good that we do the bible says every good and perfect gift comes from god james chapter 1 i believe verse 19 this is what we must understand reading from christ triumphant page 126 paragraph 3 it says All heaven is interested in the work of those who are to be saved in the kingdom of God. Without me, says Christ, ye can do nothing. Therefore, there is not one iota of glory that we can take to ourselves. Notwithstanding, you may feel your weakness, yet you may link yourself to the mighty God. I know that I am nothing, but Jesus is mighty to save. I can do nothing, but Jesus can do great things. God wants me in the work, but my efforts will be useless without his help. End of quote. This, these men we mentioned, I mean Moses, Daniel, Joseph, Paul, Elisha, Elijah, Enoch, John the Baptist, John the Beloved, all these men, Job, Zacharias, and his wife Elizabeth, all of them can do, could have done absolutely nothing without the power of God in their lives. An example of this is seen in the life of Moses who was revered like a god in the eyes of all Israel and Egypt. When he lost sight of his dependence on God, his weakness was revealed and he made a very costly mistake that would have led all Israel astray had he not repented. Reading Christ Triumphant, page 126, paragraph 4, it says, The constant cry of Israel was, It is Moses that has done this. And they did not keep God in view. God had a lesson to teach his people. And when Moses ventured to take the glory to himself, God showed the people that it was not Moses, but God who had done the work. At last came the words to Moses, Thou shalt not go into the holy land. The Lord demonstrated to the Israelitish host whose hand it was that was leading them. End of quote. Hmm. Praising men is not good. Proverbs 29 verse 5 says, A man that flattereth his neighbor spreadeth a net for his feet. And I add, and I say, if we flatter ourselves, we lay a snare for our feet. Sometimes the devil, the slime devil as he is, will come and 
into our hearts to flatter us. Let us not cherish such thoughts. Perhaps after we have done some great work, some good work, whether in secular or spiritual things, we may have a voice congratulating us in our hearts, flattering us that we just did something others could not do, or that we are so intelligent, or so brilliant, or so skilled. When this happens, we are in great danger, and in His mercy, God may humble us by making us to make blunders so that we can realize that without Him, we can do nothing. But it is because we separate ourselves from Him by taking glory and congratulating ourselves that the Spirit of God is taken away from us and we make blunders. What I'm trying to say is this. It is not as if God just intentionally makes you to make mistakes or fall into sin so that you can see that you are not to take glory to yourself. No, it's not like that. What actually happens is this. When we congratulate ourselves in our hearts, when we show it in our actions, remember the King Uzziah? King Uzziah was a man who had grown so great. I think after Solomon, this man Uzziah is one person who under him there was great prosperity in Israel. The thing got to his head. Uzziah had invented weapons and invented things that kings before him had never done. And he was so great in his days and it got to his head. He exalted himself. People praised him too. And then he went to do something he wasn't supposed to do. He went into the temple of the Lord to make a sacrifice, something that only the priests were supposed to do. When that happened, the Spirit of the Lord left him and God struck him with leprosy and he repented of his sin. He ran away from the place himself, knowing that the Lord had been displeased with him. When we take glory to ourselves, it is not the Spirit of God that leaves us, it is we who leave God. And when we leave God and go in our own strength, what do you think will happen? We will make great blunders, mistakes, we'll fall into sin, or we'll do something that will show the weakness of man. And the Lord lets this to happen to, to show us our weakness that without Him we can do nothing. Reading from Christ Triumphant, page 126, paragraph 5, now we are told, When we feel our utter nothingness, it is then that Christ sees it is time for him to give us his spirit. He will clothe us with his salvation when we give the whole credit, not some now, but the whole credit and glory of the work to him. The Lord help us, my dear brethren and sisters, to learn the precious lessons in the school of Christ. These lessons are meekness and lowliness of heart. Some never learn these lessons. They work and work in themselves and they do not understand who is the source of their strength and power." End of quote. So from what we read now, we have seen how we can receive the Spirit of God. It is only when we feel our utter nothingness that we, Christ sees that it is time for me to give him my spirit and he will clothe us with it. When he will clothe us with the salvation, there's a condition now, when we give the whole credit and glory of the work to him. In light of this, it is sad and wholly out of place for us to make efforts to bring glory and praise to ourselves or to feel slighted when we are not appreciated as we think we should or be jealous when we think that others are more recognized or praised more than ourselves. The person in danger is the one who is praised and this person is in an unenviable position. You see, another fruit that will come out of a life that realizes his nothingness and unworthiness is calmness when being misunderstood. 
this is a trial for so many and i know i, I myself have passed through it when you speak something and you say something that people misconstrue your words misrepresent you falsify your words among those who want to live a holy life it is a trouble or people brand you with sins that you did not commit we feel worked up when misstated misrepresented or misunderstood and some of us feel justified in feeling this way but what we read in our devotion today conflict and courage page 365 paragraph 3 says the truly converted soul is illuminated from on high his words his motives his actions may be misrepresented and falsified but he does not mind it because he has greater interest at stake he is not ambitious for display he does not crave the praise of men his hope is in heaven and he keeps straight on with his eye fixed on jesus he does right because it is right end of quote many times it is because we crave the praise of men that we feel slighted offended and worked up when we are misrepresented or when we are falsely accused our lord jesus was misrepresented so many times but never did we see him in a torrent of accusatory and defensive words because of this why was this I may not know all the reasons, but one reason I know is that Jesus did not get worked up because his life was always on display to prove all his critics wrong and all the misrepresentations and falsifications about him were proven wrong by his life. When brought to trial before the high priest, many false witnesses were brought against him and as they struggled to say all manner of evil against him one would think that jesus would become emotional and begin to pity himself and to defend himself but he was silent through it all he opened not his mouth jesus was innocent we are not innocent like jesus was we are wretched miserable sinners therefore it does not become us to be so zealous to protect our image to protect our reputation and self from misrepresentations from falsifications where people to know the true secrets of our lives and the motives behind the good acts so-called that we may have done at one time or the other it will be revealed that we are carnal and even worse than what men may know of us should we be misrepresented or misunderstood we are to say who am i to defend myself or feel offended if you know the half of what i am i am just as bad or even worse than what has been said about me were it not to be for the grace of god who has forgiven me my sins and washed me in his blood truly what people accuse me of that is exactly what i am we should learn to be calm under misrepresentation this is a mark of a converted soul some of us have we, we pride in our righteousness and our goodness oh i have never stolen before oh i have never um cheated before i don't cheat in exam oh i have never slept with anyone except my own wife or i'm single and i'm a virgin and or i i've never involved myself in internet fraud and so many things we count our good works and congratulate ourselves and feel like nobody should take it away from us this is who i am don't spoil my image when people speak evil of us or accuse us of something that we know that is our pride then we get worked up but look at our lord jesus 
righteous pure holy not one sin no defilement but he was falsely accused he was misrepresented we don't see him getting angry or offended or in a torrent of words to defend himself and say no i am not this or no i am not that no he's calm he's silent it's a very important lesson for us we are told that a truly converted soul when our motives and actions are misrepresented and falsified we don't mind it because we have greater interest at stake we are not out there to glorify ourselves so when people rub us in the in the mud and our image is misrepresented and we are falsely accused of heinous crimes we are not to feel sad and drench ourselves in self-pity why because we're not out to glorify ourselves in the first place. It was God we were trying to glorify. We have greater interest at stake to bring glory to the Lord. So, misrepresent me all you want, you may say. But if people misrepresent you, don't worry yourselves. We are to learn this lesson. I am to learn the lesson. As stated earlier, we cannot boast or glory in whatever good thing we have done or are doing. It is the Spirit of God that is working in us to do these things. Without Jesus, we can do nothing. And the Holy Spirit is not given for the purpose of exalting man, but to glorify Jesus. The only way we can glorify Jesus is by living a life that is pure and holy. John 16 verse 13 to 14 says, How be it, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me. It's not to glorify I who am speaking, but he will glorify, he will glorify Jesus, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. So the Holy Spirit is given for the purpose of bringing glory to God and not to man. Reading from Desire of Ages, page 671, paragraph 3, this quote is a very important one and maybe we'll be hearing it more often. It says, Of the Spirit, Jesus said, He shall glorify me. The Savior came to glorify the Father by the demonstration of his love. So the Spirit was to glorify Christ by revealing his grace to the world. The very image of God is to be reproduced in humanity. The honor of God, the honor of Christ is involved in the perfection of the character of his people. End of quote. So, how does the Spirit bring glory to God? It is through our character being perfected that the Spirit of the Lord brings glory to God. This is how we bring glory to Him, by the perfection of our character. That is how we bring glory to Him and we are not to take any glory to ourselves. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13 says, Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. In other words, do all things in a way that shows a character in harmony with that of Christ. For that is the only way we can do all things to the glory of God. And having done these things to the glory of God, we are not to congratulate ourselves or to take glory to ourselves as though we have achieved it by our own power and might and skill and wisdom. Be careful not to cherish those thoughts in your mind where you say, it is because of how skilled I am. It is because of how intelligent I am that I just did this thing. Now look at what I just said, how beautiful what I said was. Look at what I just did, how nice it was. Oh, I know that it's such a nice thing for me to have done this. People like me, they cannot do it. And then you all this is just exalting yourself. It is the devil. Rebuke such thoughts in your mind. Rather, express it in your words and even in your mind and say, Thank you, Lord. Glory be unto you. Without you, 
I can do nothing. And it is true that people can come to encourage. Because, you know, sometimes when we look at this, for example, when we read the book of Romans 7, Paul was saying that when I sin, it is not me that is doing it, but evil that dwells in me. And when you do good, it is still not you that is doing it, it is God that dwells in you. But then there is still that part of us that yields. If not, why is the Lord punishing anybody when it is not them that is doing it? And why is he rewarding some people when it is not them but him that is doing it? Yes, there is still that part of us that yields. But yield all you want. This is why all glory should go to God. It is true that we yield to Satan and because of that we sin. We yield to God and because of that we keep the law of God and live in righteousness. But remember that if there was no God to yield to, there is no way you can keep the commandments of God and do any good thing. Your own strength alone cannot do it. That is the reason why all glory should go to God. Jesus is going to reward Daniel and Enoch is already rewarded. Moses, Elijah, they are already in heaven. And many there are who are going to get their reward. If it is God who gets all the glory, why is he then glorifying us? Yes, there is that part of us that actually obeyed, that yielded. But the reason why all glory should go to God in the end is this. We, no matter what strength we have in and of ourselves, could not have matched Satan's strength. That's why we say and we sing if we are redeemed that it is he who has redeemed us. It is by his blood that we are saved. It is not by any strength of our own. Conflict and Courage, page 365, paragraph 4. By their good works, Christ's followers are to bring glory not to themselves but to him through whose grace and power they have wrought. It is for this reason that we read in the book of Philippians 2, I think from verse 12, that we are told, Walk out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his own good pleasure. But we are told, work it out. There is work for you to do, but it is God who does it in the end. That is why all glory should go to him. Our foe is Satan, and do what we may, make all the efforts we can. It can never be enough to overcome Satan. For this reason, man is never to take any glory to himself for anything he achieves. Like Jesus said, without him, we can do absolutely nothing and this is why many of us struggle. Do we ask, how then can I be like those men of old whose lives brought glory to God? We may ask then, how is this done? What is my role? I read now from Amazing Grace, page 293, paragraph 2 and downward to tell us how this can be done. It says, many have an idea that they must do some part of the work alone. They have trusted in Christ for the forgiveness of sin. But now they seek by their own efforts to live aright. But every such effort must fail. Jesus says, without me, you can do nothing. Our growth in grace, our joy, our usefulness all depend upon our union with Christ. It is by communion with him, daily, hourly, by abiding in him, that we grow in grace. He is not only the author, but the finisher of our faith. It is Christ first and last and always. He is to be with us, not only at the beginning and the end of our course, but at every step of the way. David says, I have set the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Psalm 16 verse 8. Do you ask, how am I to abide in Christ? In the same way as you received him at first. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Colossians 2 verse 6. 
You gave yourself to God to be holy His, to serve and obey Him, and you took Christ as your Savior. You could not yourself atone for your sins or change your heart, but having given yourself to God, you believe that He, for Christ's sake, did all this for you. By faith, you became Christ's, and by faith, you are to grow up in Him, by giving and taking. You are to give all, your heart, your will, your service. Give yourself to Him to obey all His requirements, and you must take all, Christ, the fullness of all blessing, to abide in your heart, to be your strength, your righteousness, your everlasting helper, to give you power to obey. Your weakness is united to his strength, your ignorance to his wisdom, your frailty to his enduring might. So you are not to look to yourself, not to let the mind dwell upon self, but to look to Christ. Let the mind dwell upon his love, upon the beauty, the perfection of his character. Christ in his self-denial, Christ in his humiliation, Christ in his purity and holiness, Christ in his matchless love. This is the subject for the soul's contemplation. It is by loving him, copying him, depending wholly upon him, that you are to be transformed into his likeness. End of quote. And I say, Amen. When we have finally done all that I have just read now, to yield all to Christ, take all from him and give all to him, we will be abiding in him and then we will do great things and glorify his name. And we must learn that having done all that we should, we are to say that we are unprofitable servants. We are not to take the glory to ourselves because all glory belongs to God. In ourselves, that is in our flesh, there dwelleth no good thing. We may desire all we want to do right. Enoch, Joshua, Daniel, all of them had a desire. But only as they yielded to God were they able to do what they did. And that is the reason that all glory should go to God and they also give all glory to God. How is it that Joshua was able to fight those giants? How is it that Daniel was able to stand in Babylon for the right and Joseph and Moses? How is it that they were able to do the things they did? Not because of any strength in themselves, but because of the power of God revealed in them. Therefore, in our own lives, perhaps you are a preacher, preaching the word of God and people are being converted into the truth. Or in your secular labor, you are so good at it, with all the skills you have it. You are quick to understand and to execute. And you are good in training children or good in the kitchen, good at whatever it is you do. We must be careful not to congratulate ourselves, but to remember that it is the Lord that works in us. It is He who gave us the skills. It is He who gave us the ability. It is He who gave us the wisdom. It is He who gave us the might. But if we do not acknowledge God and bring glory to ourselves, we will make shipwreck of our faith and eventually we will not make it to the kingdom of God. We must learn to give all glory to God for whatever we do that is good and achieve that is righteous. We must learn to take no praise to ourselves. Rebuke the devil when he comes to flatter you in your mind and to congratulate you and say all glory belongs to God. And then, for our own selves, we must be careful not to flatter and praise men, not to give them honor beyond that which it is actually their due. We must praise the good works of people. That's the good works, but not the people themselves. Reading from This Day with God, page 303. 
Paragraph 3, we are told, think of the Lord Jesus and his merits and his love, but do not seek to find the defects and dwell upon the mistakes that others have made. Call to your mind the things worthy of your recognition and your praise. And if you are sharp to discern errors in others, be more sharp to recognize the good and praise the good. You may, if you criticize yourself, find things just as objectionable as that which you see in others. Then, let us work constantly to strengthen one another in the most holy faith. End of quote. So, we are talking about praising the good in people's lives, but not praising the people. That's what we are told here. If you are, because when we talk about giving all the glory to God, there's a tendency for us to say, to become very critical with men and not speak any good thing about men. That's not what this is saying. Here we are told in this day with God, page um, 300, paragraph 3, that we are to seek and recognize the good in people's lives and praise the good but do not flatter men and flattery like we read is a snare when we flatter people or flatter ourselves we lay a snare for our feet what does flattery mean that is saying things that are untrue and raising man above that which he actually is that is taking us beyond our own measure claiming that we do things that we actually did not do you see what those women did with Saul and David, Saul has killed his thousands and David is ten thousands. Those were flattering words that should not be said about people in comparison, comparing men with men, all those kind of things. No, we shouldn't do that. And we should be careful not to do it in our own minds, comparing ourselves with others and feeling better than others because of something that someone cannot do that we can do. And then we are taking the glory to ourselves. We should be careful. All glory must go to God. May the Lord give us a grace to rightly divide these words and have the balance of knowing how to give all the glory to God while still recognizing, not becoming so critical of men that we don't see anything good in them anymore, but also recognizing the good in others and like it said, praise the good. And then knowing the thin line between praising the good and then flattering people and giving glory to them. May God give us the grace to discern and know how to do all these things to the glory of his name. Let us pray. Thank you, dear Father, for these lessons. Please shield us from self-congratulation and self-exaltation. The devil comes to with these thoughts in our minds many times. Would we pray, Lord, help us to learn to give all the glory to you sincerely from our hearts and not just with feigned lips saying it, but yet we don't mean it. Help us, Lord, to realize our utter helplessness and nothingness that the Spirit of the Lord may be graciously given upon us and that we may give glory to your name by living perfect lives on this earth. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. The words of the Lord are great, studied by all who have pleasure in them. His work is honorable and glorious, and His righteousness endures forever. Even food to those who fear Him He will ever be mindful of His covenant He has declared to His people The power of His words In giving them the heritage of the nations The works of His hands Of verity and justice 
His praise. 